Good evening and welcome to the Spirit and Life Bible Study. My name is Jonathan. Our reader is Cara tonight. And our topic is the washing of the feet. Those of you who are getting this uh, broadcast in real time, it, I don't know if you're in Australia, it might be different, but it's Ash Wednesday here in the U.S., the beginning of Lent. And what we'll be talking about here tonight is Jesus' washing of the feet and what that means. Uh, it's an interesting little exchange that, that Jesus has with Peter about the washing of the feet because Peter at first says, don't wash my feet. And then he says, wash my head and my hands. And Jesus says, no, I need to wash your feet. But when he says, wash my head and hands, he, Jesus says, no, 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 you, you don't need that. What is he talking about? What is the washing that we don't need under those circumstances? And what is the washing that we need? That's what we'll be looking at tonight. So I invite you to join me. Let's open with a prayer, shall we, good friends? Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you are the one God of heaven and earth. We thank you, Lord, for joining us together in your name. You are the Word made flesh. We pray for your presence among us tonight. Please teach us what the washing of the feet means. Amen. Amen. Very nice to be with you who are online, those getting the audio, those on the phone, and all of you here in the room. Thank you for coming. And uh, let me read a little bit about this Bible study in case people are new. This Spirit and Life Bible study looks at the Bible through a Swedenborgian lens, meaning in alignment with the teachings of Emanuel Swedenborg, born 1688, died 1772. The name Spirit and Life comes from Jesus himself, who says in John 6.63 that his words are spirit and they are life. Spirit, which we take to mean that his words have a spiritual and heavenly meaning and purpose, and life, that his words are alive and aim to bring us to life, by teaching us how we are to live if we wish to become spiritual and heavenly ourselves. And since Jesus is the Word made flesh, John 1.14, what he says of his words applies, we believe, to all the words of the Bible. They all teach who he is and how we can get from the life of hell to the life of heaven. And that's very much what we're talking about this evening. Let's go right away, shall we, to John chapter 13 where the foot washing happens. Now, this is leading into the Easter story. As you may know, the Gospel of John, almost half the Gospel is just about Easter week. And we're at the very beginning of this uh, in chapter 13. So let's just start at the beginning here. Okay. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his, uh, that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father... Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Mm, loved them to the end, okay? And supper being ended, the devil, having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God. So you notice that we're sort of breathless here. We've had four... <laughs> participial <laughs> phrases about the setting of the situation, you know. Uh, what did he do under that amazing circumstance Jesus, uh, that he was about to leave this world? Jesus rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. Yes, and Swedenborg says that this, in the, the Greek, it refers to this. This is a linen towel and the linen is important. Let's go on. After that, he poured water into a basin and, water, be okay. and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Aha, uh -huh. so he didn't wipe them with something else. He wiped them with the linen. So water and linen is what he used to wash the disciples' feet. Okay, and he's working his way around the group. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? It's a little reminiscent of when John the Baptist said, I should be baptized by you. You know, it doesn't feel right uh, that the Lord should do something as humble and lowly as wash uh, Peter's feet. Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, 
You shall never wash my feet. Okay, so this is point number one. Don't, don't do that. Don't wash my feet. It's not right. So how did Jesus answer? Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Wow, what, why is that? that? That's pretty stiff, isn't it? Like, okay, fine, but that means you and I are done. What, what, what does that mean? That's interesting. Okay, go on. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Okay, so he responded rather vigorously to <laughs> what the Lord said. So a moment ago, it was not at all. And then the Lord said uh, what he said. And then Peter s suddenly says, okay, not, not just my feet. And you can see where he's coming from. You know, not just my feet, but my hands and my head. You know, let's, let's do the whole thing. And what did Jesus say? This is a crucial verse for tonight. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet. Yeah, so the idea is that the, before they gathered for this supper, obviously they bathed earlier in the day. And so you don't need the full bathing job. You, you just need your, it's just your feet that got dirty on the way to the supper after you were clean. Go on. He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. Oh, you are clean. He says to his disciples, you are clean. So it's kind of odd, isn't it, that he would be washing their feet and yet telling them, you're, you're clean. You know, you plural, you're clean. For he knew who would betray him. Oh, wow. So what does he mean by clean? He doesn't mean dirt on your feet, right? He knew who would betray him. Therefore, he knew that there was something in that person's spirit. Uh, he's talking about a spiritual uncleanness or an uncleanness of the mind or heart or something like that, right? So he says, you're, you're, all, you're clean, but not all of you. Yeah. Go on. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. Yeah, so that directly ties the betrayal to not being clean, and the rest of the disciples are clean. So he's, he's already very clearly indicating that this is a metaphorical or spiritual act, not something literal about a problem with dirt on their feet. <laughs> so when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? Yeah, now, in interesting question. Like, is it a trick? You just washed our feet. Uh, what does he mean? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Ah, so this has been an example of some kind of how people are to treat each other, how his followers are to treat each other. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Blessed are you, or in the Old King James, happy are you if you do them. And he means we'll be happy if we wash other people's feet. Isn't that the gist of it? Like, okay, we know it, but then we need to put it into practice, and that will make us happy. Well, this is a very curious exchange. It's clear from the text, just from the literal meaning of the text, that it has some deeper layer of meaning because the betrayal is what he means by being clean or not clean. And yet, what is he talking about? And what are we supposed to do when we wash one another's feet? So that's what we'll be exploring tonight. Uh, just a little bit later in this same story, uh, starting in chapter 14, if you have a red letter Bible, you see that the Lord... Uh, talks a great deal in chapters 14, 15, 16, and 17, and uh, very powerful sort of final words on earth. Mm. And in chapter 15, we read this famous thing. Let's just read the first few verses of uh, chapter 15. So this is immediately following the foot washing that he says this. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away. Oh, okay. So there's not bearing fruit, and then you're taken away. Go on. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. He prunes it. 
And interestingly, I believe the Greek word for pruning there is cleanse. I think it's the same word. It's cleansing, katharizo. Go on. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. What a strange, there he is, he's using that word again. And you see, you miss it a little bit in the English because the clean goes with the pruning. Pruning and cleaning, you know, so you're already clean. You're already pruned through the word that I've spoken to you. Mm. And then it goes on with that famous uh, sermon about the, the vine and the branches and so on. You're already clean. He said that before, just two chapters ago, didn't he? You're clean, but not all of you. And here he says that you're clean because of the word. So what was he using? He, to wash their feet, he used water and linen, right? He washed them with water and then dried them with a linen towel. And that's what he applied uh, to them. But here he says it's his word that has cleansed people. I feel scripture is always trying to take us beyond literalism into a, into a deeper kind of reading. And uh, this is certainly no exception tonight. Okay, now I want to read uh, a number of passages as we usually do in this Bible study and just go look at different passages about cleansing to try to get some idea of what is going on with this foot washing and what are we supposed to do for each other as a result. Let's go back to the Psalms, which are about in the middle of your Bible. And I want to go to Psalm 40 uh, that has an interesting passage about feet that I love very much. Let's just read the first two verses of this 40, Psalm. Psalm 40. Two. Okay. Yeah. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. Yeah, to me, this, is, this just forms such a vivid picture uh, of the Lord bringing us up out of a pit. And the pit is full of miry clay. Often the pits back then would be for holding water. They would be tapered to try to keep it from evaporating and everything. And it's very difficult to get out of something that's tapered inward as you, as you go. You know, it's hard to climb up it and get out of there. And uh, the Lord brought me up out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet on the rock. So now you've got traction. The miry clay, you couldn't work. To me, this is so psychological, isn't it? The, the, uh, have you ever had mm -hmm. that sense, friends, that you're in the miry clay and you can't, you know, you're like you're trying to move, you're not getting anywhere and it's the feet in particular that it mentions, and then being brought up so that you get your feet on the, on the rock where you get traction. Now you can go. Now you can go somewhere and establish my steps. So that's really great. Um, what is Psalm 51, verse 2? Let's read verses 1 and 2 in there. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Okay, so I think this is related to the foot washing because of this idea of blotting out the transgressions. And what does it say right there? Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. So it's very clear that the, the, the scripture is being metaphorical here. It's not talking about a physical washing. It's talking about being washed from iniquity and cleansed from sin. So surely in the foot washing, that's got to be what it's talking about. Uh, when Jesus made it very clear from talking about the betrayal, uh, that it's non-literal. It's not about physical dirt. Okay, uh, let's go to Isaiah chapter 1. Turn to the right. And it's a few books on down the road. And we get to Isaiah chapter 1, verse 16. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. 
Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. So very clearly, this is talking about repentance, isn't it? Putting away the evil of your doings. And this is described as a washing and a cleansing. Uh, so it's really offering the possibility that we can move from the point where our sins are sort of red hot uh, to being white like snow, which is a fitting image for the last few weeks around here, isn't it? Uh, let's go to Jeremiah chapter 33. It's to the right. I think I got these all sorted into order tonight. So they're sort of jumping around topically, but they all have something to do with uh, cleansing. And... Um, Let's go to verses 4 to 9 in there, shall we? Jeremiah 33. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the houses of this city and the houses of the kings of Judah, which have been pulled down to fortify against the siege mounds and the sword. They come to fight with the Chaldeans, but only to fill their places with the dead bodies of men whom I will slay in my anger and my fury, all for whose wickedness I have hidden my face from this city. Behold, I will bring it health and healing. I will heal them and reveal to them the abundance of peace and truth. Mm, what a beautiful passage. Mm -hmm. And I will cause the captives of Judah and the captives of Israel to return and will rebuild those places as at the first. I will cleanse them from all their iniquity by which they have sinned against me. And I will pardon all their iniquities by which they have sinned and by which they have transgressed against me. Okay, so again, cleansing from iniquity. And there's an interesting tension, is there not? Like Isaiah 1 says, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. But then other passages talk about the Lord washing us. This is like the foot washing where he says, I will cleanse them of all their iniquity and their sin. So it seems pretty clear that whatever's being washed off uh, corresponds, represents in some way of evil um, in our lives. Let's go to the right to Ezekiel chapter 24. It's the next book over after Lamentations. Uh, Ezekiel 24. Verses 11 to 14. What an interesting passage. Hmm. Then set the pot empty on the coals, that it may become hot, and its bronze may burn, that its filthiness may be melted in it, that its scum may be consumed. Mm. You ever wish to have your scum consumed? <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe it just has to be a little hotter to get to that point. Go on. <laughs> she has grown weary with lies, and her great scum has not gone from her. Let her scum be in the fire. That's right. In your filthiness is lewdness. Now listen to this odd phrase. Because I have cleansed you, and you were not cleansed, you will not be cleansed of your filthiness anymore, till I have caused my fury to rest upon you. Mm. Now isn't that odd? See, in the uh, foot washing... The Lord is cleansing, and I, it, it's, it's a related word here. Um, the, the pruning in John 15 is, says purge in the Old King James, and this says purge here, cleanse in the New King James. These are all related concepts. But isn't that weird? It says the Lord purged or cleansed her, but she was not cleansed. How, how could you, if the Lord cleansed you, how could you not be cleansed. Mm -hmm. And so the Lord says, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not going to cleanse you from your filthiness anymore. Look at verse 14. Uh, um, are we in Ezekiel 24 still? We are. Okay. I, the Lord, have spoken it. It shall come to pass, and I will do it. I will not hold back, nor will I spare, nor will I relent. According to your ways and according to your deeds, they will judge you, says the Lord God. Okay, another good repentance kind of passage about getting cleansed. And an interesting idea that the Lord is already cleansing us, but we're able to kind of negate that cleansing. You know, I cleansed you, but you were not cleansed. Uh, so the Lord is always trying to do this purification for us. Turn to the right to Ezekiel chapter 36. 
which is just, I know I'm always saying all these things are my favorite, but they are. They're all my favorites. <laughs> Ezekiel 36, let's start at verse 22. Such a beautiful passage. Therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went. And I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst. And the nations shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when I am hallowed in you before their eyes. Mm, hallowed in you before their eyes. So others will see that the Lord is doing this hallowing to his people. For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries, mm. and bring you into your own land. Mm. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. Now, isn't that almost the same as what he says about his word in John 15? You're already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. But here it's water. You see how water and the word are made equivalent by the language that used? This is a way to understand what Scripture is talking about by putting passages side by side and seeing how, oh, you swap out, you know, in one place it's the word, and in another place it's water. And so the water has something to do with the word. So that gives us a little clue to the foot washing, that what the Lord wants to wash our feet with is the water of the word. Something about the truth of the word is what he wants to use. Okay, go on. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Mm. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people, and I will be your God. So whatever this cleansing process is, this is what's necessary for us to be the Lord's people and for him to be our God. Go on. I will deliver you from all your uncleannesses. Now that's weird because I thought you already did that back in verse 25. You see what I mean? You get what I'm saying? That in verse 25, he says, I'll sprinkle clean water on you and you'll be clean. I'll do all this cleaning. Then I'll give you a new heart, new spirit, all that. Take the stony heart out of your flesh, give you a heart of flesh, put my spirit in you. Cause you to walk in my statutes and judgments so you do them. You'll be my people. I'll be your God. And then I'll save you from your uncleannesses. Well, I thought we already did, you know, but it's inter it seems like there's another washing. There's, a, there's, a later, there's an early washing and there's a later washing kind of thing. Uh, go on. I will call for the grain and multiply it and bring no famine upon you. Mm. And I will multiply the fruit of your trees and the increase of your fields so that you need never again bear the reproach of famine among the nations. Mm. And then how will we feel? Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good. And you will loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and your abominations. Ah, yes, a state devoutly to be wished. Yes, go <laughs> on. Not for your sake do I do this, says the Lord God. Let it be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your own ways, O house of Israel. Yes, so I sense a, a sort of a process. It's hard to tease it all apart, but it sounds like there's a process where there's a cleansing, and then there's kind of the heart transplant, but then there's more cleansing, and then there's awareness of the fact that you look back and you see, oh, I was a wreck before. I, I had no idea. I, I didn't know I was that bad. Hmm. Uh, and, oh, let's read verse 33. Thus says the Lord God, On the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will also enable you to dwell in the cities, and the ruins shall be rebuilt. No, keep going. I can't stand. <laughs> the desolate land shall be tilled instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass mm. by. So they will say, this land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden. Oh, they probably just tossed that phrase off. That has no meaning. Uh, wow, the, the, the land was desolate, and now through this process, it's become like the Garden of Eden. Go on. 
and the wasted, desolate, and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Oh, and it goes on. It's just so incredible. It's just a wonderful, wonderful prophecy. So there's a sense uh, in there, to my mind, that there's a, there's, a, there's a series of cleansings. You know, there's cleansings. There's sort of a first set of cleansings. Then you get a heart transplant. You're coming from a very different place. And then you get an additional set of cleansings. So to cut to the chase a little bit here, when the Lord says, you're all clean, I just need to wash your feet. I think this is part of what he's talking about with Peter. Peter says, wash my hands and my head. And he says, I already did that. Like Peter's down at the end of this passage, not at the beginning of this passage. The beginning of the passage, yes, you need your feet, your hands, your head, the whole, whole thing needs cleaning. But once you're clean, then you just walked a little way through life and your feet got dirty some more. Then all you need is for the outside to be clean because the inside, you've already had the heart transplant. Your, your, your heart is in a good place. You're just accumulating dirt. You're finding more. And that awareness, isn't that amazing in verse 31, that you're seeing more that the way that you were was not good in the past and that it needs to change, you know, so your awareness has changed. I think this is what the foot washing is talking about. It's not the first time you ever try to clean up your act. This is later on. This is, this is later on. I think that's what we're talking about here. Uh, oh, let's see. Wow, let's go into the New Testament, shall we, to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew 23 says something interestingly seemingly opposite to this, but I think it's instructive. Matthew 23, let's look at verse 25 in there. This is just a harangue against the Pharisees. Uh, and it all ends with love, with a loving statement about how the Lord wanted to gather everybody together. But boy, you're not necessarily feeling the love in the midst of this harangue. <laughs> and here's something in verse 25 that he says. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Mm. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. Now, it may, might seem on the surface of it like that's something different, but I think it's really telling the same story, that what these people did was they cleaned the outside, but the out, they never did the heart transplant part you know it hadn't transformed them inside so what the lord is pleading for them to do is clean the inside whereas peter's in a completely different state in peter's case he says i don't need to do your your head's already done your hands are already done I've, i already did that which i think represent more the inward parts of himself that there comes a part in in this whole process of regeneration there comes a stage where the inside is in pretty good shape but the outside needs some more work. And I think that's what the foot washing is talking about. Uh, let's go to, let's wade boldly into the epistles, shall we, friends? Let's go through John and Acts and Romans and get to 2 Corinthians. There's some interesting passages in the epistles about this. Let's pick a few out here. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. I thought this was an interesting mention from Paul to the Corinthians. And the Corinthians had a lot of strange things going on. When, when you read those epistles, there was, there was a lot of uh, unholy things being done by people to each other there. And have a look at 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1. Therefore, having these promises, beloved... Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Oh. Oh, cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of, of what and what? Of the flesh and spirit. Oh. Huh. So there's two kinds of cleansings that can go on. There's, there's the, and I don't think either of them are physical. I don't think he's talking about take a bath. No, he's talking about, the, you know, the epistles talk about the fact that we have what they call an inner man and an outer man. And uh, I think the flesh here means the outer self and the spirit means the inner self and both of them need some cleansing. There, in that Ezekiel passage, there was cleansing and then you got a new heart, right? And then there was more cleansing and then more self-awareness. And so 
I, I think that's what this is talking about now. And here it's more framed in terms of like Isaiah 1, where we have to clean ourselves. Let's cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. What's that final phrase? Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Good idea. <laughs> Let's uh, turn to the right and go through Galatians to Ephesians. Now, these epistles get smaller and smaller and smaller until you get to Hebrews, uh, so they get a little harder to find. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. This is also Paul talking to the people of Ephesus now. And let's look at verses 25 to 27, an interesting analogy of marriage to the Lord's relationship with the church. Husbands. Love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. And why did he do that? That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Oh, well, thank you for making it even clearer. They're the water of the word. You know, it's right there uh, that he might sanctify and cleanse it. So isn't that what he's doing with the foot washing? He's showing these disciples, you know, he's showing to us all this example that he said, do you know what I've just done? Uh, and he gave us an example of how we are to treat each other. That he wants to sanctify and cleanse the church with the washing of water by the word. Okay. And what would be the result of that? That he might present her to himself a glorious church. Mm, wouldn't that be wonderful? What, I wonder what that would be like. Go on. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she should be holy and without blemish. Mm, yes. So this is what the Lord, I love that passage for what it says about the Lord's relationship with the church. That's why he came into the world, was to sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. And it was in, in order to benefit the church and improve it to make it holier and cleaner in some spiritual sense. Good. That's excellent. Let's turn to the right and we'll go through Philippians and Colossians and 1st and 2nd Thessalonians and 1st Timothy and we'll get to 2nd Timothy and look at 2nd Timothy chapter 2. Um, let's, let's start at verse 19. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. Uh -huh. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Key, the need for repentance. The first thing, the first thing out of John the Baptist's mouth is repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. First thing Jesus says in the gospel, repent. Uh, it's the beginning of the message. But in a great, uh, sorry. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dis dishonor. Now, do you get what it's talking about? That everybody has objects of a variety of values. You know, and some of your things are really precious and some are just your ordinary stuff. Okay? Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Okay, this is again more in the line of Isaiah that we have to cleanse ourselves and by cleansing ourselves we can become a better vessel. We can become a more precious vessel. Isn't that the uh, gist of it? Mm -hmm. And be ready for a good work. And then this beautiful 2 Timothy 2.22. <laughs> Flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, Love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Yes. Okay. So that's good. good repentance passage. Uh, let us go to... Okay. Keep going. Go through Hebrews. You'll get to James. I want to go to James chapter 4. Hmm. Yes. Let's pick up at verse 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. To the humble. That's interesting. Humble. Uh-huh. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. 
Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Yes, isn't that a wonderful phrase? So, uh, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves to God. It almost sounds like a little recipe, doesn't it? Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Okay, so one of the first things to do is just stop doing that evil, like say no or, or try not to do things, and then draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Now, you already started repenting when you resisted the devil, as far as I can tell, right? Mm-hmm. But then after that, after you draw nigh to God and he draws nigh to you, then what does it say? Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, Mm. you double-minded. It's like Peter saying, well, not only my feet, but wash my hands and my head. This is the hands and the heart. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Yes. Uh, So that's just another passage that came to mind. Let's turn to the right, and uh, you'll get into the epistle of Peter there. I want to go to 2 Peter chapter 1. Gets fun back in here with all the one and the two of this and that and multiple chapters and everything. Second Peter 1, let's read verses 5 to 9. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Add to your faith virtue. Virtue, okay, right. Add, we might add, say okay. add virtue to your faith. Yeah. Right. Add so to in other faith. words, there's sort of a little recipe here again. Okay, you got faith, then add virtue to it. So live a good life. Okay, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, Mm. to perseverance, godliness. Okay, these are all the things we're supposed to be adding on. So you see what I mean? We're we're going through quite a quite a process of improvement here Uh (laughs) to godliness, brotherly kindness and to brother brotherly kindness, love, love or in the old King James charity Mm -hmm. for if these things are yours and abound you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our lord jesus christ what did john 15 say that the lord is going to prune or cleanse if you don't bear fruit you just get cast out if you bear fruit you'll be cleansed so that you bear more fruit like you're already on the right track but you get cleansed so you bear more fruit and isn't it similar here? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, you won't be unfruitful uh, and go on. Uh, Verse 9. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, mm. even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Oh, okay. So you were cleansed from your old sins, but now that you've forgotten, like there's some more work to be done. You know, there's very much of the teaching tonight about a process, isn't there? Very much about a process. And there's a purging from your old sins, but then there's more purging, the foot washing that needs to go on. Uh, let's turn to 1 John. So it's the very next thing to come up. Chapter 1. Let's do verses 5 to 10, shall we? This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. What cleanses us? The blood of Jesus Christ, oh, his son. The blood. Well, wait, we were already told what cleanses us. It was the water of the word. Is it possible that the blood of Jesus doesn't mean his physical blood or his suffering or the crucifixion? It means the truth of the word, the water of the word. That's what cleanses us. See, when you take these different passages... And one has this one as a noun, a subject. Another one has another one. It, 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 you get some interesting readings out of it, and it gives you a different sense of what that blood means. I think so many minds get tripped up over that. Uh, but Swedenborg says that actually means divine truth. The truth of the word is what cleanses us from all sin. Go on. 
If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yes, yeah, this cleansing is from unrighteousness. Go on. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. His word is not in us. So didn't it say before, the truth is not in us, at the end of verse 8, and his word is not. So the word equals truth equals blood. Uh, you, you can see this little algebra going on in the scripture there. <laughs> and turn to the right end of the book of Revelation, finally. And uh, we have a few more scriptures after this, but 19... Verse 8, uh, this is, let's read verse 7. Mm. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. Now, wait a minute. We just read in 2 Corinthians this husband and wife thing. It was interesting, wasn't it? And it said very explicitly that the wife, the Lord's wife is the church, and that he is going to cleanse her by the washing of the water of the word, right? So that she would be glorious and all that. Mm -hmm. So what are we reading here? Say that again. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come. Mm, the lamb his, is the Lord. And his wife has made herself ready. Yes, made herself. All night there's been, well, does the Lord do it for you or do you do it yourself? Well, it's both and. Uh, you can see it uh, both ways. So she has made herself ready. Go on. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen. In what? Fine linen. Oh, linen. Oh, linen. Interesting. Okay. But it was dirty linen, right? Clean and bright. Oh, it was clean and bright. Huh. Same thing the Lord was wearing to wash the disciples' feet. Linen. Okay. All right. Well, tell me what that linen means. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Oh, do you mean it's like metaphorical? <laughs> well, the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Very, very interesting. So the linen has something to do with living a good life, does it not? Hmm. Righteous acts. Yes, the righteous acts. That's living, it's like doing the doing of good or something like that. The fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Fascinating. Okay. Um, there's, um, uh, okay, let's see. Uh, why don't we talk a little bit ab about this? I think what's going on here is uh, that... This is talking about the, the reason, why, why would the Lord say this baffling thing? Peter says, don't wash my feet. He said, if I don't wash your feet, you know, you have no part in me. Like we're not, we're not together if I don't do this. What does that mean? And so Peter switches his tune completely and he says, well, then not just my feet, but my hands and my head. And the Lord said, no, you're already clean. We're past that point. That's not what you need. You just need the feet. And then he says, you see what I did? I want you to do that for each other. Now, um, Swedenborg says that the fine linen also means the divine truth of the word. The nature of divine truth, uh, there's a difference between truth and divine truth. Uh, divine truth always comes from the divine love. And the divine love is the desire to save the entire human race. So that's where that truth, that truth is always warm. It's, I think it's partly the reason that truth is sometimes described as water or a rock and sometimes as blood, because blood is warm. It comes from a heart. It's the divine truth. So it's a truth that comes from the Lord with which he wishes to cleanse. And I dare say that the uh, water, see, what did he do? He washed their feet with the water, the Lord did, at the foot washing, and then he dried them with the towel. And I just have a hunch that that water has something to do with the literal sense of Scripture. It's that sort of external truth, you know, that, that helps you. And, and the feet, uh, as you may know from watching this Bible study before, we've talked about feet a few times. And feet have to do with the lower self. 
the out, so we were talking before about the fact that the epistles talk about there's an inner self and an outer self. Well, the feet would have to do with the outer self. So once your inner self is cleansed, once you're sort of halfway through the process, we've talked a lot in this Bible study about repentance in previous episodes, about repentance and the need to get going with your spiritual life. I'm fascinated that this is a story that's a little down the pipe. Let me bring back this graphic from last week. You may have seen this or not, not this one, the one before it, um, where we were talking about the strengthening of the prophets. And if those of you are just getting audio, we have, a, we have truth in blue on the left and love in red on the right. And there's, first of all, a journey from truth toward love. And then there's falling down and having no strength in between. And then there's coming from love into truth on the, on the far side. Well, I think the foot washing is on the far side of this. This is when you've already got love operative in yourself. And then there's cleansing that needs to go on on the outside because your inside, once you get to that point, your inside will be ahead of your outside. You have to have already gone through some purification, some repentance, to even get to the point that you had the heart transplant. That's why Ezekiel talked about cleansing first, but then it went back to the cleansing, some more cleansing. But once you have the heart transplant, then, uh, then there's more purification that has to go on with the outer self. The outer self lags behind the inner self. You can have love of God. You can have faith you know, in your heart. You can have faith in your mind and so on and so forth. And you still have some dirt in your outer self. I know none of you suffer from that, friends, and that's a blessing. But there are people in this world who have dirty feet. They, their outer selves suffer from, from... I've never experienced that myself. But the, um, uh, don't, don't we sort of through our walk through this life... And isn't it interesting in Ezekiel 34, it talks about the awareness that you become aware of the fact. Because now that your inner self, you've got the lights on in the attic, you know, kind of thing, you can see into your lower self and you can see in a way that like, ooh... Wow, that's, that's not good. You know, I just thought it was sort of a joke, but actually I was snipping at that person or whatever. You just have a different consciousness of yourself. And the Lord wants to give more washing. So this is, you know, the, the ascending series is, you know, like college, but then coming down the other side is graduate school. That's, and the foot washing is on the graduate school side of it. It's you know, where, where good things are already happening, but you need more cleansing on the outside. Uh, and um, Swedenborg has a beautiful statement about this at one point. It's in Secrets of Heaven 3147, if you want to look it up. It's really lovely. And it talks about the Lord cleansing us, and it says that the feet uh, mean our outer self, and the dirt is basically can be boiled down to there's basically two kinds of spiritual dirt your spiritual dirt comes in two flavors it's love of self and love of the world and what love of self means is not taking care of yourself and having a nice bubble bath after a difficult day uh, love of self means where you are sort of a god in your own eyes and then you have all these little uh, not really human bit players in your life who are supposed to worship you or else you're furious with them or whatever it's ego kind of thing. So love of self, love of the world is just all sorts of materialism, love of worldly pleasures and wealth and so on. Those are not bad things in and of themselves. But if they dominate your life and if your spirituality is down at the bottom and those things are in charge, that, that's a bad spiritual situation to be in. Um, so uh, part of what's going on with the foot washing is that the Lord is using the divine truth from the word, uh, both the literal sense and a deeper meaning of it, the, the water and the towel, the linen towel, uh, to try to cleanse us and to, to cleanse our outer selves. Isn't it amazing? Now, it makes sense that the Lord would do that, and that's a great thing that he does for us. So the truth of his word has this impact. He said, you're already clean because of the word that I spoke to you. It's, it almost seems like it couldn't be 
just a matter of, of the word. But if you take the word into yourself, if you really see that truth, that truth is coming from love, it desires to save us, and that will have a transformative effect on the outsides of us. The truth from the word will tell us, here's what evil is. That's what it looks like. You know, here's what good, being a good person would look like. The word is really helpful for your feet, you know, filthiness. Uh, it, it's, it's, a good, it's a good remedy. And so that's what the Lord showed. And he himself doing that foot washing, uh, that's how he prepares that bride for himself. You know, that, so that he can be in us and we can be in him. Uh, that cleansing process, if I don't do it, you know, it doesn't matter whether he physically washes your physical feet. But if we don't allow him to get rid of the things in our outer selves that stand in the way, he can't flow all the way in. He doesn't want to just stay in, the, in our inner sanctum. He wants to come all the way to the outsides of ourselves. Like our behavior, like your outer self is your behavior. Your behavior, your relationships with other humans, things of that nature. <laughs> That's right. Thank That's you. right, dear reader. That's right. And... Um, so uh, he says that, now what does it mean that we would do that for each other? Wow. He says, what I've done, you should do too. And he says, this will make us happy. Happy? Dealing with other people's feet? That'll make us happy? He says, it'll make you happy. Uh, do what I did. No servant is greater than the master, but look at what I've done. I've been as a servant among you. And uh, there's two things that Swedenborg highlights out of this passage. Uh, one is that it's a humble, it's an act of humility. Uh, and what it isn't is an act of judgment against another person. In other words, you could have the reaction when you saw somebody else's dirty feet of like, that is disgusting. I'm sorry. You know, uh, you could have a judgment when we see each other and you see the problems. Oh, I can see so-and-so has a problem with this. Oh, that person has a problem with that. You can see the dirt. But what the Lord wants us to do is not to sit in judgment on other people's dirt, but to get down on our hands and knees and help them, you know, help them out with that situation. That's both an act of humility on our part and an act of compassion and forgiveness and overlooking the, it's all right. There's a real foot in there somewhere. <laughs> you know, we'll see it eventually. Let's have another go and, and help him out. There's a beautiful passage somewhere in what Swedenborg writes where he says that the Lord regenerates people in groups. You could often be mistaken for thinking this is sort of a solo mission. I have to repent, I have to, you know, all that sort of stuff. And of course, it's about loving the neighbor and loving the Lord. But you can think it's sort of your solo journey, but we have a lot of effect on each other's regeneration, you know, on that washing. We can really do that for each other. And you may not think of it when somebody's doing it for you. It's like, wow, you just washed my feet. But when people are able to say to each other, hey, and bring a kindly, you know, maybe it's the truth, but maybe it's, maybe you warmed it up a little bit first. So it's sort of like, yeah, I know I had that problem myself too, or whatever it is, you know. Uh, just helping somebody out in a humble way. Same as the Lord says about the eye, right? The, the beam in your own, like get that out of the way so you can help somebody else with a little speck in their eye. That same kind of energy, I think, is in the idea of, of washing each other's feet. And this is something that's supposed to go on and on and on and on. Uh, the Lord did this at the feast of the Passover, which occurred every year. And uh, we're coming up on Easter, Lent, and so on. This is a time of repentance uh, every year. You know, it's not like one and done. You can imagine a kid or the mom says, wow, those, those feet are filthy. And the kid says, well, I washed them last year. You know? uh, no, well, you've got to keep after that. It's like <laughs> they, they keep needing washing. In fact, Swedenborg says that to all eternity we'll be going through this purification process. And a great, beautiful thing that he says is that it makes us more and more beautiful in the light of heaven as we, we just get better and better and better. And this is something that we help each other with, uh, get, getting those feet, 
getting those feet washed and having compassion on each other. Act of humility for ourselves, compassion and overlooking problems in another. And so he says, this is why he says, I'm, I'm really in this. You know, wow, what a lead-in to say, well, he came into the world and he was just about to leave and everything was all set and the betrayer was there and all that, and therefore he washed their feet. Well, that's because this is really fundamental, not physical foot washing. I mean, that's nice, but, but what it spiritually represents, that is really supposed to be part of, of the church in an ongoing way and something that we can carry on of the Lord's work for each other. There's one more little tidbit that I just wanted to throw in here. Do you have any brain cells left for just a couple more passages? Uh, let's go back to the Psalms in the middle of your book and turn to the right to Proverbs chapter 16. This little thing came to mind. There's a little thing, there's a little phrase that comes up in Scripture. Look at 16, verse 15, just a brief little statement. In the light of the king's face is life, and his favor is like a cloud of the latter rain. The latter rain. There's a little refrain that comes up in Scripture about the former rain and the latter rain. The former rain and the latter rain. It comes up quite a bit, and it's never explained in Scripture. But when you look it up, you realize that what they're talking about is that there was this former rain that would happen in October or November. It was at the end of the year when it's getting cold and you'd have rains as the temperature's going down and all that. That's the former rain. And often people would do planting at that time in, in the Holy Land back in the day. And then March and April would be the latter rain as it's getting warm. It's warming up, you got spring and the latter rain. What made me think of this tonight was I think this foot washing is the latter rain. It's related in some way to the latter rain. Like you get that early repentance that just gets things going. You're at the end of sort of your former life kind of thing, you know, and it's tough and it's hard and it's cold and it can be kind of a shock when you first do the self-examination and all that. In the spring, you get the latter rain and it's, it's gentle. Like you get used to repentance. You get used to other people washing your feet. First few times somebody sort of criticized you. I don't know how it is for you, but don't, can't, isn't it easy for the lower self to get kind of an attitude? You know, when anybody says even the slightest thing about you that's not absolutely perfect. You know, and um, it's interesting how as you go through repentance for a while, people can say all kinds of things and you just say, oh, thank you. That really helps me. You know, like it's not the shock. It's a warmer rain that comes in. So you, you kind of get used to having your feet washed and, and being humble and, and having that experience with other people. Uh, have a look at Joel. So turn to the right. We'll go through Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. Okay, we're into the minor prophets. We're going to all the, all the difficult places tonight. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah. What am I missing? I, I want Joel. Joel. Hosea, yeah. Joel, the second one in there. Chapter 2. And let's read verses 23 to 24. Boy, there's some beautiful, oh, beautiful scriptures in here. Be glad then, you children of Zion, <coughs> sorry, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. The threshing floors shall be full of wheat and the vats shall overflow with new wine and oil. Mm, isn't that nice? And so uh, the first month, their first month was around March and April, you know, sort of Easter time. So that's when that, that latter rain would come. Uh, and I'll restore to you the years that the locust has eaten and then look at verse 27. You'll know that I'm in the midst of Israel and I'm the Lord your God and none else. My people will never be ashamed, he says. Uh, okay, turn to the right and see if you can find Zechariah. It's the second to last one in the Old Testament. Going for chapter 10, verse 1. Ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. 
The Lord will make flashing clouds. He will give them showers of rain, grass in the field for everyone. Yes, that's just a nice image. And turn to the right into the New Testament, will you, good friends? And go back, if you go all the way back to Hebrews, right after Hebrews is James. We're getting pretty far back towards the book of Revelation again here. And uh, if you go to Peter or 1 John, you've gone too far. And look at James chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the former waits for the... Sorry, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. Mm. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So that's just another fun little... So I don't know if they're connected, but it seemed to me in in my mind that the, the reason Scripture is just often differentiating between the former rain and the latter rain, I think... What we're talking about tonight with the foot washing is the latter rain. It's that ongoing repentance after you've been through the heart transplant and all that. And it's something that we can help each other with on our walk through life. So it's a picture. The foot washing is a picture of how the Lord helps us and how we help each other with problems in our lower selves. Thank you kindly for your attention. Let's close with a prayer. Shall we, good friends? Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we thank you, Lord, for coming into this world. It's an amazing image of you bowing down, wrapping yourself in that linen towel, meaning your word, the truth of your word, to help us, to cleanse our outer selves. The rest of us is already clean because of the word that you've given us. So it's a picture for us of the ongoing work of cleansing that lower self. This is the work that you want to do with us. This is the work that you want us to do for each other. Thank you, Lord, for the humility that it gives us, for the compassion, for the understanding of the human condition, and thank you for the opportunity to do your work in helping one another. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let's keep on repenting, friends, so we can help each other get clean.